Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 523 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains, and I had boots on the ground for a huge 5-2 win where the Ottawa Senators scored four goals in the third period. Yeah, we're going to recap that game and preview tomorrow's game up against the Florida Panthers and future Ottawa Senator Claude Giroux and Belleville back in action tonight up against the Penguins. All that plus Jake Sanderson watch is officially underway. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Friday, March 25th in Pilsy. I think we got a lesson last night about not judging a book by its cover. Yeah, and I think uh, we're talking about Travis Hamnick, his Sens debut, 700th game. And you were at the game, so you got to see him interact with his wife and kids were there as well. And kind of take in what an experience it is getting traded at the deadline and going from Vancouver to Ottawa. And he gets to play his first Sens game in his hometown of Winnipeg. So I think that was extra special. But I think we did a good job of not so much harping on the player or the person, but just the aspects of how this trade was made. I think that's where most of the confusion and frustration came in. And we said it multiple times. We hope the best for Travis Hammond. Again, I thought for his Sens debut, playing alongside Uncle Deli, it was a good showing. Yeah, it certainly was. Good thing Del Zotto was in the lineup because there was a, a question when we were recording yesterday whether it was going to be Mate or Del Zotto. He gets two assists both in the third period. And don't look now. But Delzato has eight points in 12 games this year. More points than Mete and Branstrom. And those guys have played almost triple the amount of games of him. Uh, Branny 35, Mete 34. And he has more points than them. And they're supposed to be puck-moving defensemen. And he was supposed to be the shutdown guy. So looks good if you're MDZ right now, if you're climbing up the, the D hierarchy here. Yeah, I thought the entire decor played great last night. They were moving the puck up with speed. Zub had his probably best game in a long time that I've seen from him. Led all Senators defensemen in ice time. The right side thinned out in the third period. Nikita Zaitsev off for repairs. Not sure if that was a case where if that was in the first period, he gets stitched up and comes back. Because we know if there is one good thing we can say about Nikita Zaitsev, he's a warrior. He'll play through some pain. I think it was more than a couple stitches, though. Like I think it hit him right in the mouth, and maybe he's looking at some dental uh, dental work going forward. Yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me. Uh, Mark Shifley got out of the way, and it was one of those where <laughs> it's like the door opens, and there's just a punching bag that comes yeah. out, or a punching fist that comes out and just hits you right in the face. Zaitsev did not see that coming all right let's get through the game quickly because last night on the postcast it was all vibes as it was yes. after each and every ottawa senators game you can find the postcast on our youtube channel where we hope you subscribe but also wherever you get your podcast we post the audio version afterwards it was an incredible night at the rink but let's run through the scoring summary because the Sens didn't score first in this one and the first goal was questionable 
at best. Josh Morrissey from a no no doubt angle, he was trying to pass it, but it goes off of Forsberg's left pad and in. How much of that were you thought that there was just going to be an avalanche of bad luck after that? Because I know where I was sitting, that's certainly how I felt. Well, and that's what I talked about keys to the game is don't let Winnipeg get that lead and then just have you fall into the trap of playing their game in their barn. And that's what I was worried the Senators were going to do, Ross. But then shout out our expert game preview analysis because you said Brady Kachuk, family, friends. He's got roots in Winnipeg. He is an absolute lock to score. And he ties it up shortly after. So that... I was feeling much better about that because it didn't really feel like Winnipeg was dominating the possession or, or the play at that point, right? No, it definitely didn't. I mean, they outshot Ottawa 11-8 to eight in the first period, but their first shot came like seven minutes in. And it was a yeah, great was scoring opportunity too. Like it was a couple big saves as well. Um, Forsberg was, was fantastic too. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the second period where I thought he did his best work, but get this. Only one penalty in the entire game. They just let him play, and it was awesome. Back and forth, no special teams, no real stoppages. And, man, I I just had a blast watching that one. So uh, Brady Kachuk's goal was just a tip in front, gets a stick on it. I I was surprised because Norris led the handshake line going to the bench. I was like, oh, what, did Brady not get it? Like, he was right in front well, of where Brady I was celebrated like he knew he got it though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but Norris led the train, so Norris gets the assist off the one faceoff. Zub took the shot, his fifteenth assist of the season, tied at one after one period. Winnipeg led for exactly three and a half minutes in this game. After that, no scoring in the second. But Pilsy, this is where Anton Forsberg did some of his best work. I don't know who it was uh, on the receiving end of that two-on-one pass, but he gets across glove side. Makes an unbelievable save. And then later on, how about the breakaway save on Nikolai Ehlers? Partial break, not a full-on, but, man, that was a confidence-inducing play, I'm sure, for his teammates. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's why Forsberg got this contract, because the Sens looked at him and said, hey, this is a goalie. We've had three goalies this year, and really only one of them has given us full confidence in these kinds of moments, and that's been Anton Forsberg. So they put a lot of faith and trust into him, and – he kind of returns the favor with coming up big in those moments. And I thought Forsberg played a great game. He He's able just to keep this team in the game. Like it, He doesn't have a lot of games where he lets it get out of hand and then the team doesn't have a chance. He's very good at giving this team a chance. And if they do end up squandering a lead, usually it's the defense or a lack of offense that is the issue. So Forsberg, yet again, another great game. A, a, another revenge game for him, although he has many revenge games. But that's got to feel good if you're him. I only found out last night he never actually played a game for Winnipeg. No. Had the pads, all that, helmet, but taxi squad situation last year where he was the third goalie and never got in. Hell, the backup never gets in when it's Connor Hellebuck in net. Although oh, he doesn't sweet. spend his whole game in net. This guy wanders more than I think <laughs> many other goalies. Loves playing the puck, and it almost backfired a couple times where Connor Brown picked his pocket in uh, in a play. And Joseph to, did as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. I, what did you think of Matthew Joseph's game last night? More great stuff. Like he's just added on to the confidence I have in him from the first game because that play where he gets the assist, that's a play where he hustles to a loose puck that gets flipped into the neutral zone. (laughs) I think if you're looking at Logan Stanley and Matthew Joseph at a loose puck race, pretty clear who's going to win that battle. And it was Joseph. I don't know which jersey Stanley was wearing in the first period too. He was putting the puck right on Sen's tapes over and over and over again. Your boy, your boy, boy. Logan Stanley. Uh, And then Joseph, he, as far as it looked to me, he was leaning past 
100%. Like, I don't know. It wasn't a two-on-one where it's like he's like 70-30 or 50-50. It was like he's waiting for Tyler Ennis to be perfectly open, body fully faced the other way, and still manages to get it cross ice right on Tyler Ennis's stick. And the best to ever lace him up, he's going to know what to do with that when he's got an empty net back door and he puts it right in. And that gave the Sens a 2-1 lead. And that was massive because that was a moment where it was just a quick clear and a guy with speed and hockey IQ like Matthew Joseph, he's able to turn nothing into something. And that's what he did. So you'll love to see it. His first point as an Ottawa Senator. And it was a fantastic ovation to give after that goal because somebody was chirping his foot speed earlier in the game. I was like, out of all the things to chirp for Matthew mm-hmm. Joseph, it's going to be the foot speed. Of course, they called him Joseph. But that being said, I told him to put a little en français on that. But that to say, Wait. the next time down, he, he's got a ton of speed. I was like, see, that's some speed. And then he tripped over his own feet. So I heard hey, there's that. a thing is going too fast. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah. So the fans are giving it to me on that. So I definitely had a good laugh after that one. And uh, shout out Tyler Ennis for burying that. And shout out Nick Anderson for being five rows ahead of me and going back and forth. The best ever lace him up. It's not even Close. The game was close until then, though. That happened 12 and a half minutes into the third period. But then it was quick and easy down the road we go. Because Colin White gets a power play goal where he pretty much did the Brady Kachuk play. Where sort he just of, tries yeah. to, to pull it out front and just jam it as hard into the net as he could. And, hey, it worked. Yeah, it went in the far side of the net, which I had to yeah. watch a couple times. Be like, how did that even end up there? Like, that's, that's a weird play to happen. But... Colin White, one thing I've noticed about him, and he's been allowed some top power play unit time with Drake Bassett out, and I think he's taking advantage of it. He's a really effective player at that bumper because I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's where he scored his first power play goal uh, so long ago when he just came back into the lineup. And then in the game uh, that I was at against Montreal, he was the guy at the bumper, and he made an amazing pass right across the ice to a wide-open Josh Norris, who's not going to miss that in his lifetime. So I think Colin White, whether... Sure, when Drake Bassin comes back, his spot probably gets bumped down to the second power play unit. But I want to continue to see him playing that bumper right beside the net because he's a good net front presence. He's not a guy that's really known for having a wicked shot, so you don't need to have him at the hash marks or in the high slot. Get him in front of the net, mucking things up, making it hard for the goalie to see. And he's got some good hands in tight there. So I really want to see that continue for Colin White. Tim Stutzla and Eric Branstrom get the assist on that. We should give some stick taps to Chris Tierney, who also assisted on Tyler Ennis goal. Sure. Didn't mention that. But then a minute after Colin White makes it 3-1, and we should mention, this was a huge game for Winnipeg's playoff Massive, camp. especially with Dallas winning in shootout the same night. Massive. Massive. But the Sens don't care. Connor Brown, the the quietest player on the team, once again, now he's got double-digit goals on the season as well. He gets his 10th of the year, and this was superstar shit from Timmy. Like, what an absolute pass. He did that move, but usually he does it at the top of the zone where he holds his stick out as far as he can and waits, but he used that extra long reach and just put it right behind the defender on the tape of Connor Brown, and he made absolutely no mistake. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and what it did there to Ross is... Like you mentioned, it's such an unorthodox move to just like fully extend both your arms all the way when you're trying to deep to the other side. But that froze Hellbuck in his tracks and he ends up falling over actually. Hellbuck kind of does like a whoa, like loses balance and uh, do- doesn't have any way to recover and get over there. So that allows Connor Brown to just get a stick on it and tap it in. And 
uh, I don't know if you noticed, Ross, but on the broadcast, they showed Hellebuck after. And I think he threw his blocker. Like, he was pissed. <laughs> he was, like, smashing stuff. And that's when you're like, okay, Aww. the Sens have it here. Like, this Jets team, they're so pissed off and embarrassed. They're probably not going to be able to keep their head in it and come back. Sure, they get the one goal. But I wasn't worried about this lead being squandered for a second because the Sens sends them. And that was that. Three goals in a span of three minutes and 15 yeah. seconds in the third period. Kyle Connor makes it a 4-2 game with just under three minutes remaining. His 40th goal of the season. So you tip your hat. That's a great shot. And it was one of those score effect goals, I think, where, you know, the ice is bound to tilt the other way for a shift or two. And you got one of the best goal scores in the game, excuse me. And he made no mistake. So credit to him. Uh, we should also credit Del Zotto for the assist on the Connor Brown goal. Then, then Del Zotto gets the assist on the Brady Kachuk empty netter. Kachuk's 22nd goal of the year, and he has now surpassed his career high in points. We'll touch on that briefly. We'll tell you who gets the helmet and shades. We also have Belleville to, to preview the weekend, Ottawa previewing their weekend, and as we said, Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevenwatch is underway. We'll get to all that right after Pilsy tells us a word from one of our favorite sponsors. One of our OG sponsors, Ross. And hey, it's important to stay fueled. And if you want to stay fueled, a great way to do it is with Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And they've got all sorts of great products. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? If you guys like marshmallows, so all my s'mores fans out there, you're going to love Built Puffs because they're made with a protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. If you're worried about that, chocolate lovers, you're going to love it too. So go to Built.com and check out all the amazing flavors they have. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, white chocolate, cookies and cream. All these probably sound like candy bar flavors. It's because at Built Bar, they're all about figuring out how to make it taste good then make it healthy. So they're making candy bars that are good for you. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built Bar. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, Pilsy. So the Ottawa Senators defeat the Winnipeg Jets 5-2 on the road. Great vibes in the arena. Lots of Sens fans actually. Saw a guy wearing one of those homemade helmets where they put the broom on top and looking like a full-on centurion absolutely fantastic the senators go one for one on the power play and for the first time in over a year have a game where they don't take a penalty at all i i said i didn't want brady to take a penalty well how about the entire team staying out of the box that's a good look for them no penalties at all multi-point efforts from tim stutzla to assist and brady kachuk two goals i thought he was fantastic. And michael delzato multi-point effort there you go. Absolutely. Plus three, a team best as well. Still crazy that they do plus minus for empty net goals, but when you're on the right side of it, <laughs> you'll eat those up. No problem. As I mentioned, Zub led all players in ice time with 23 minutes and 38 seconds. The low mark was Dylan Gambrell playing 9.03. He was 38% in the face-off circle. The Senators were 45% in the face-off circle. And Pilsy, as we teased... We didn't go through his stat line, though, but three shots on goal, three hits, and three blocks in 18 minutes and 38 seconds. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I said Travis Hamnick was going to play 18-30. Did I not, or was that you? 
I, I forget which one of us landed on there, but we were both. I think it was in the middle of what both of us said. I think you said closer said nineteen, close and I yeah, said, yeah, and I said seventeen. So it's right, right in the middle there. So I I don't mind that at all. And I thought Hamannick did a good job in this game. There he is. What a beauty! That I knew the boys were going to give him the bike helmet. That's how you welcome a guy into your crew. Plays in front of his family in his hometown. First game as a send. Safety first, Travis. He Hammer. loves it. The he hammer. Loves it. The hammer. Um, like sick nickname right off the bat. Oh, yeah. You got to love that. So, uh, and it was cool that DJ Smith put him out in the very first shift of the game. He, yep. Him and Delzato were the first defensive pair. Get out there, get your legs going, get feeling good. And I thought he did a good job of playing physical. He had a little tussle with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> he did a good job of clearing the puck out of the zone. There was one time where him and MDZ kind of weren't communicating properly and they couldn't That was clear. the Ehlers play. Well, I and the it, Ehlers yes. play, they, they split the, the C's there, and Ehlers kind of went right between them. Yeah, that's the play I'm talking about. So that was one mishap, but I mean, geez, that's going to happen when you got a new guy in who doesn't uh, know his teammate that well yet. So overall, I think he played a good game, and we mentioned it. If he can continue this style of play, especially as a third-pair defenseman, you know, a third-round a third round pick still is a lot to give up, but it's looking a lot better if that's the case. And we'll see his home debut on Saturday. We'll also see the return of their only point-per-game player this season. What are you expecting to see from Drake Batherson tomorrow? Is it confirmed he's coming back tomorrow? That's the rumor. Shout out the Sens Nation podcast. as um, I guess they've got a sponsor connection with Drake. So he goes on there every week. And he says Saturday, he's good to go. It's bath time. Let's go. Um... Sorry, what was your question now? <laughs> what are you What are you expecting? Like a four point night, or sorry, my my classic three points for Batherson? I was gonna say three points is probably a pretty accurate. I mean, he's had four points twice this year, so don't blame me for getting a little too excited. Yeah, I, I'm gonna tone it down a little here, just because coming back from a high ankle sprain. You really don't want to go uh, balls to the wall and have something tweak it again. So I think we're gonna see a little more uh, conservative approach here. I, He's got to play on that top line, though. Like that, that's a that's a must, and he'll be on the top power play. Whether whether he kind of gets in there for more offensive zone draws and stuff like that, just so he's not going up and down the ice so many times, we'll we'll see. But man, it's going to be just a nice feeling to have him there, and because at that point, other than Pinto, your forward line lineup is pretty much set, and. I don't think other than getting one top six guy, which Claude Drew's coming here, he's done his research, he loves <laughs> it, you heard it here first. Um, so once you get Claude Drew in the mix, this team doesn't have a lot more to do up front, in my opinion. So it's going to be so nice to see Batherson, even all the guys on the Sens say it, he's their best player. Like they, they don't, They're not shy about saying it, he is their best player up front. And getting him back is going to be such a boost to this offense, and I'm fired up. Yeah, before the trade dead, or sorry, before the All Star break, of course, he was on such a great run with 34 points in 31 games, averaging 19 minutes a game. And then Aaron Dell had to come out of nowhere and be himself. Speaking of Claude Giroux, that's the opponent on Saturday. Took him seven seconds to get a point, seven seconds of ice time in his Panthers debut. Yeah, Sens fans, is he still good? Is he old? Is he slow? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That seems pretty good. But also, you got it when you're playing on a line with Barkov, uh, you can usually make things happen pretty quickly. Yeah. But 
I think this is this is great for Claude Giroux, and I think it just leans more towards him being like, all right, I had an amazing season, won a cup in Florida. They're going to win it. You heard it here first also. <laughs> uh, and then now I'm just ready to uh, to work on my house in Ottawa. Elliot Friedman said it, the report is he's building a home in Ottawa. So he's already getting his research done in place here. I, I feel good about it, Ross. And you know me. Usually I'm the, I'm the raining on the parade guy with all this good news and uh, big things happening. But I'm not raining on this parade. I, I'm driving the float. Like, let's go. I'm waving like the queen. I'm tossing out candy canes. This is going to happen. Claude Giroux to Ottawa. I absolutely love it. The Panthers are an absolute wagon. Since beating so Ottawa 3 nothing. In Ottawa, you might remember that one where Ottawa was outshot forty-eight to eighteen. <laughs> Sick effort, March third. Since then, they're eight, one, and one. That's it. They're an unbelievable team. And again, we talked yesterday. They're the Eastern Conference favorite, according to BetOnline.ag, to win the Stanley Cup. Let's say a quick word from our friends at BetOnline.ag before we preview Belleville's weekend and talk about Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin. So, our friends at betonline.net, it's the only sports book you should be at. I cleaned them out last night based on a nice performance. I had the first period, the second period, the third period, a couple pushes, and then a win in the third. Got the money line, got the in regulation, got the puck line, got pretty much everything you can. I hit at Bet Online. That's why Bet Online's great because you can hit on all these player performance props, odds, totals. You can even bet on fun props like where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your betting needs. And it's not just one sport. They're covering all sports. Hockey, basketball, boxing, UFC. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at BetOnline.net. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. And the games are starting Friday night for the Belleville Senators. Even though they got that shootout win the other night, they're still in sixth place in the North Division. But, again, that can change in a hurry. Now, when you're looking at this weekend, though, not the same in terms of divisional points. They're playing out of the division in both games. Home to the Wilkes-Barre Penguins and then home to the Phantoms as well. Ross, I have high expectations for this weekend because the the Pittsburgh Penguins – they sure you gotta credit the success they've had, but they have no prospect pool. Like the farm is dry. There's a couple old cows that need to be brought to the back and shot. The crops are dusty. Like there is nothing going on for the farm system for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their most notable players, I was looking at it, Alex Nylander, which hey, there's you know he's still a good player, and especially at the OHL level, he can put up points. And our old buddy John Gruden. Part of the uh, Matt Murray trade, he's still kicking it with the. How's he doing? Uh, I think, I think like thirteen points this season, so nothing, nothing crazy here. Uh, and then goaltending, they don't really have great goaltending, and they are also sixth place in their division. However, much lower point. Well, I shouldn't say much lower, but a lower points percentage. They're past ten. They're four, four, and two. Whereas Belleville is five, two, and three, so way better, clearly. And then your their next opponent is the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who are last in their division, eighth. And uh, they've been struggling lately, four and six in their past ten. So I really think that this could be a weekend where, sure, we always emphasize how important the division games are. But when you're going up against weak non-division opponents, you just need to stomp them out and collect the two points and go home. So I think... The Penguins will be a tough run, but up against the Phantoms, 
that should be an absolute blowout. And if you're going to the game at CAA Arena and you see Joseph with a name bar with Wilkes Bear, it's Mathieu's younger brother, Pierre Olivier. Oh yes, is, yeah, uh, is an offense, and he was brought over in the Phil Kessel trade from uh, from Arizona. Yep. So another little connection there too. Love it, love it. Yeah, and we'll see, uh, Ross. It'll be interesting to see if McNiven gets in any of these games. Not something we're uh, we're super excited about. But revenge well, game, revenge game for Philly franchise tonight. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's he's still backing up in Ottawa. That's too bad. That's what I, I was wa- gonna say. I wanted that, it so bad. I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> wasn't that the entire point of bringing in McNiven was to put. Uh, Gus down in Belleville and then just to have a backup goalie where you're like, look, we're in a tanking season. Like we can toss out literally. You, you or I could back up. Yeah. If they want it, I, I I've said I'm on call. I got to do some more stretches, but I can be ready in a moment's <laughs> notice. Um, but I thought the point was to get McNiven just as a warm body backup and then to send Gus down to get consistent starts, take some of the load off Sogard and get this team to the playoffs. But Gus is just sitting on the bench again. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's on the bench again for this game up against the Florida Panthers, which mm-hmm. what's the point? I don't, I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. It's strange, but, but I you mean, you want to protect him. You don't want to throw him in against the Panthers. Like we talked yeah. about, they're an absolute frigging juggernaut. So it's a tough task for Gus's in the face, but at the same time, sitting on the bench doesn't do you much good. I know you get practices with the pro team. I know you get maybe a little more resources with the goalie coach and things like that. And you get a taste of pro life and what it takes to prepare NHL salary. I mean, he's going to get the NHL salary next year. So it's not like that's, that's like a massive cookie for him. So I don't understand why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Forsberg's just playing so well. It's hard. If you're the head coach, you want to win every game, but then what record totally, totally. But then why have Gus as the backup? If you're like Forsberg so good, we're going to play him every game. Then put McNiven, Brandon Piller, Ross Levitan, David Ayers. Put whoever the hell. Call Artem Anisimov back and put him in the pads if you need just to sit on the bench. Not the goalie that started the rebuild. Not the goalie that you protected in the expansion draft. Not the goalie that a lot of people have pegged as a possible future starter for this team. Don't waste his time doing that. It's, It's frustrating for me. Yeah, that's fair, and uh, I think your frustration comes through. I, what one thing they did do yeah. was paper him to Belleville, so he can play yes, there in the good. playoffs. And if and when Matt Murray decides he's ready to play, then they can uh, they can always have him back down later on. But I'm with you at the same time, though. Great, valuable experience for Matt Sogard now, getting to really carry the mail at the AHL level. Like, what what's he at now? I'm I'm pulling it up. Do you know how many games? Um, how many games he's at? Because it has to be a, a it has second. to be a it has to be a career high. You you check his AHL because I'm I'm pulling up his elite prospects. I know that in the WHL they play a lot of games, so maybe there is a year. No, yeah, his twenty nine well, games. Yeah, so tonight will likely be his thirtieth start. Likely his yep. most ever was in Medicine Hat, and he played thirty seven. Both two years in a row, he played thirty seven. So he'll probably be right up around that number when it's all said and done this year. And to do it at a pro level, I'm just looking back. I forgot he went seven and zero last year with Belleville. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. That was sweet. Yeah. So let's see the Great Dane get in there and mix it up uh, for the Belleville Senators this weekend. Could Belleville have some help on the way? From North Dakota, of course, Jake Sanderson's injured, and if and when he's back, he's going straight to Ottawa. But the more pressing matter is Tyler Clevin. We touched on it briefly on the postcast. 
Is there a wrong decision for him either way? I think the only wrong decision would be bringing him up to the NHL. Okay. Right? I think if... I don't know if Atlanta's a good spot for him either. Yeah, (laughs) fair, fair. (laughs) Great great weather this time of the year, though. Um, But yeah, so let's let's cut those options off. The lowest and the very highest options, not not right for Tyler Clevin. But that nice... Who has his... Who has his junior rights? <laughs> yeah, shit. Hopefully, no, you can't. Or sorry, yeah, you can't. It's the other way around. Once you play junior, you can't play college. But I'm actually gonna see if anyone does. Probably not. Though. But that, <laughs> that being it. said, I, I think it's all likelihood that that he stays. What about you? I would like for him to stay at Nodak uh, for selfish reasons, so that we can go see him at the Ralph next year. And uh, I've said it a bunch of times, but I just don't think he should be joining this logjam of young defensemen quite yet. I think it'd be more beneficial for him to try to fine-tune his offensive touches, play an elevated role in Nodak, and let Lassie and JBD duke it out in Belleville. And Because uh, they're they're that step ahead of him, and I think he's that step behind. Not, not saying that if they did bring him to Belleville, he wouldn't be successful, or it would be uh, bad for his development. I just think it's a better option going back to Nodak. The Belleville decor, especially, let's say it's the same next year. Right, you figure out what's going on with Zaitsev this summer and all that. But let's say, for argument's sake, it's Lassie with JBD and Max Gannett. That's a lot of youth on your right side. So I feel like Troy Mann, he brought in guys like Colby Williams, Dylan Hetherington, those types of players who can play a more veteran style, if you will. But that's where I kind of lean. Where yeah, maybe it is best just just marinate one more year in the mine or in uh in north dakota get some more offensive touches be the guy as well and go from there whereas what's the what's the rush like why why are we like we have to have tyler clevin playing third pair minutes in belleville next year you don't this year even yeah you don't and people who are worried because he's in ncaa tyler clevin is not playing two more years of college and foregoing to sign elsewhere and based on the way people talked about the draft and i know his stock has gone up outside of the realm of where the Sens had him afterwards. But I don't think he's going to have 25 teams lining up if it is two years down the road. Maybe, but I would say that in all likelihood, not 99.9.9.9% that if he, it's my version of DJ Smith saying that Drake Batherson has to be a thousand percent before he comes back and plays. No, but in all seriousness, it's going to be great for him either way. But Eileen, go back to North Dakota, dominate and, keep the note accents tradition alive because it's going to be a sad day. If I have to unfollow North Dakota hockey, I don't think you'd unfollow them. If there wasn't any sense there, I think there, I mean, you bought a Jersey and a sweater and you've they been got there a, a couple for times. Life. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think things are set there. And just with Tyler Clevin too, I don't think he wants to run out all those college years to become uh, UFA because I think, uh, or whatever the term is uh, like to have other teams be able to sign him. I think, his best opportunity is probably in Ottawa. Like there's not many other teams where there's defense spots up for grabs and you got all your buddies here. They reach to pick you in the draft. Like I think you got to respect that. And I think he would want to be a part of this organization. So I'm not worried about him running out his college years and going somewhere else. The more pressing matter is Jake Sanderson. Yes. We expect him to sign, but how soon and how does his current injury which there's no real timeline on. How does that affect everything? I don't I don't know. Like I I actually don't think it should affect it at all. Like just get him signed. Bring him in. Right now. Yeah. Just 
have that paperwork done. And then when he's healthy, bring him in and see what he can do. Well, no, bring him in now. Have him rehab at the facility, right? Meet yeah, the yeah, yeah. Be around the guys. Hey, uh, there's going to be an empty spot on the bench now for practice now that Batherson's back. Yeah, true, true. So, yeah, I, I don't see whether he's healthy or or we're still unsure about his injury. Just get him signed and, and bring him to Ottawa. Let's do it. Yeah, can't wait to see him. If yeah, you had to guess, you think he's actually going to rock number 88? I don't like that as a defenseman, so I, I, I'm hoping not. What was the other one he was looking at? Well, obviously eight, but uh, Finnegan's got that wrapped up. The funniest thing ever, the biggest draft in franchise history, both their first two picks, wanted yeah. a number that's retired by a player from 100 years ago. <laughs> and he wasn't even the best player on the team. He was just the only one who was alive when they brought the team back, so they wanted to parade hey, someone around. Ross, the best ability is availability, and <laughs> Finnegan was available, so you got to retire okay. that number. Rest in peace, but they brought him in for like the lead-up, and then he passed away before opening night. He tried his best. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he was, I want to say he was like 100 years old. Let's find out. I know Finnegan's ghost right now is kicking rocks. He's like, come on, guys. You don't know exactly when I was born, when I died. Yeah, he passed away on Christmas Day in 1991. He was 88 years old. Played for the Ottawa Senators. Oh, sick nickname, though. The Shawville Express. Right. <laughs> nice. And... Making it to 88, that feels appropriate for, for number eight. That's making other players wear 88 now. There you go. Stanley Cup champion, Frank Finnegan. That's how the boys of Lockdown Sanders got absolutely sidetracked talking about Jake Sanderson. DJ, or, um, Dave Poulin says he thinks Jake Sanderson is going to make an immediate impact when he comes in. Are you going to preach patience or are you going to let this kid fly? Do you think he's that that kind of player? I want to let him fly just because you got nothing to lose, right? Like, better let him fly now and learn his mistakes and kind of feel out, like, okay, this time that I pinched in the NHL, I'm not going to get away with that like I do in uh, college. Or this time when I'm a little – don't have that much strength on the puck, I'm not going to get away with that in the NHL. Just stuff like that, right? Like, what does my gap control need to be? Like, all those little things where – Igor Sokolov said it. Like when you go to the pro leagues, you ha that ha you have half a second less to do everything, but that's monumental in your process and in what you do. It just changes your the whole way you approach things. So I think with Jake Sanderson, the one thing I want to see that I'm going to emphasize is get him with Zub. You need to put him in a spot to succeed. You can't have him playing with Zaitsev, or I don't even want him playing with Hamnick quite yet. Get him with the best possible partner so that he feels as comfortable to do and try whatever he wants to do. And Jake Sanderson, he's the real deal. Like, you need to respect that. And I don't see a reason why he can't come into the NHL. I can't see a reason why with this decor he can't be effective. So I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Until next year. Nodak sends. They lost 2-1 in overtime. So after a five-overtime loss to end their yes. season last year, they go back to overtime and they lose. And you know what's so weird? The the NCAA needs to figure it out because they do the, the sites for the games, right? Like everyone goes to the one area. And I get that. But North Dakota played their biggest game of the year last night. And this stat is courtesy of Brad Schlossman. Great follow. Must follow on Twitter. And... Last night, they played their biggest game of the year in front of 2,500 fans. That's like a section at the Ralph. 
So why are they playing their biggest game of the year in front of the fewest amount of fans? In was the, that a sold-out barn? No, there's nobody at the game. It's in Albany, New York. Who cares about North Dakota? What the hell? Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Give your two cents. I'm going to pull up the photo of the barn at Puck Drop. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't like that. There's a lot of about NCAA that I'll be honest. I we've only kind of started following with our NODAC obsession and getting into the draft. So there's a lot of intricacies about it that I don't fully know why they do things like that. It's, it's just the way it's done. I guess it's kind of similar to March Madness, where there's just games being played all over the place and there's no like rhyme or reason, but. To have only a couple thousand when it's one of the most prestigious programs in the NCAA and there's a lot of hype around it seems uh, seems a little sus. I mean, yeah, weird. Look, look at that. That's at puck drop. Lame. That's so lame. They went with the Sens, ban- the Sens seat covers there. <laughs> on, on top, for real. Like, yeah. if that's in North Dakota, sorry, start of the second period, you can see at the top there on the scoreboard. But that is just like... For the players too, like they're fired up. They want to get the the you know all the juices flowing for a biggest game, and they Not come out enough. in front of nobody. So yeah, that's that's unfortunate, but you know what? It means that the Auto Senators are one millimeter closer to the end of the rebuild. I would say when North Dakota season ends, right? I'll say they're a step closer once Sanderson signs, and another step closer when he makes his debut, and then when he becomes ultimately an impact player. But we'll find out sooner than later. Pilsy, any final thoughts, whether it's on the Winnipeg game, whether it's on the weekend coming up for both Belleville and Ottawa, or if you got a final note on the note accents? Uh, I'm going to go with my final thought on the game up against the Panthers here because – we talked about this is a juggernaut team. Ross, if you look at the Panthers stats, like player stats, they have a handful of guys that are point per game guys. Then they have like two or three guys that are like just a couple points under being a point per game guy. Anthony declare one of them. And it's just well, insane how this team is able to rack up offense. Like <laughs> I- I'm nervous that this is going to be a rough one for the Sens, especially after coming off a really good game up against the Jets to have to go up against the Panthers right after this could kind of slow momentum down, but you get Drake Batherson back. So that should help out the Sens offense here. So hopefully it's a run and gun style t- type game here. Claude Drew's on pace for 164 points with the Panthers. Your thoughts. He'll probably get it in this playoff run. Uh, definitely. I think when he wins that cup, he, he's got to, he's got to go through four series He's on pace to be an absolute legend for the Florida Panthers, and he, he's going to help them. I'm convinced, no matter who they play in the first round, this will be the Panthers' first time getting past the first round since 1996. Wait, and I think is going to be a big part of that. Would that only leave one team since the salary cap era that hasn't gotten out of the first round? Yeah, I'm trying hmm. to rack my brain. Who would that be? Hmm. Oh, it's a team that loves shitty jerseys. Uh, Do they spend the cap every year? They must. They must. <laughs> oh, suck on that one, Toronto. Nice little pot shot heading into the weekend. Hope you enjoyed today's Locked On Senators. Again, you can always follow the show at Send Central on Twitter. Locked On dot Senators on Instagram. The show's on YouTube as well, where you can subscribe. We appreciate all the love and support, and we plan to give it all right back including April 23rd. Mark that on the calendar and shoot us a note on YouTube if you have any questions. We'll have more information about that and merch coming soon on the show. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.